Welcome to the All Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Inman, joined as always by co-host Chris Brito. Another big trade has been completed with Pascal Siakam heading to Indiana. Draymond Green has also made his return for the Warriors. So Chris and I are going to discuss what the Warriors' future looks like. We got a lot to get to, Chris. Before we get to that, how are you? Hey, Stevie. Happy to be here on the All Hoops Podcast. You know, I'm just stunned by the amount of, like, potentially, like, conference ceiling or like conference advancing sort of level trades like the pascal siakam trade with indiana definitely puts them closer to the top tier of the eastern conference i still think they're with us and the heat yeah um but i i love the trade for them i think you know they had a lot of questions at the power forward slot i mean i thought they took a chance on obi but obi probably wasn't the guy for them he wasn't enough of a two-way guy um and Siakam's a great fit he can do all the he can do he can do scoring at all three levels um and I really like it and he has championship experience which I think is probably one of the things that this team is missing the most yeah I mean it's a very interesting trade um when you think about it like you gave up three first for a guy who's probably the 25th best player in the NBA you know around that number three first, and then you got to give him $200 million to stay this summer and then say thank you for him for taking it. That's a lot. That's a lot to give up. That's a lot to do. But when you think, you know, if I was a Knicks fan and the Knicks did that, I would be screaming. I'd be freaking out. I'd be like, this is horrible. It set them back, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But if you're Indiana, you, you gave up two first this year in a bad draft, right? One future first, two this year. Are you really going to get a better player than Siakam in the next couple of years in free agency, even if you have the money? I don't think so. And, you know, to get a guy who, as I said, is probably, you know, a borderline all-star candidate every year, 25th or so best player in the NBA, for, to get a guy like that who wants to come to your team, mm-hmm. that's significant. That's important. Um, you know, obviously, offensively, this is one of the better teams, not just this year, but ever offensively. The way they run, like their 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 scoring is right now the best of all time. Now, their defense is the worst of all time, and so Siakam, I think, will really help on that end. Obviously, they're never going to be a good defensive team the way they play, but at the same time, if he can help them make two or three stops down the stretch, you know, a couple games a week, that's significant. That's huge. Um, so to have that where. I'm curious the fit between him and Turner. Obviously, I know we talked about it off air. Turner plays a lot outside, but at the same time, um, I think it'll work. I think this is a good idea for the Pacers, and I'm I'm excited to see where they go. I think to me, this like I think you hit the nail on the head when you said the Pacers weren't getting anybody anyway. It's not like, unfortunately, it's not one of those it's not a big market team that attracts that level of free agent. Um, and they also secure his bird rights, which I think is also a good uh, tool to, in order to keep him. Um, yeah. And so I think it's, I think it's good that they got him now where they can see how the fit is within that Pacers team. And listen, it may not work out, but they have an out if they wanted to, but 
they don't really have an out though. They, I mean, they, they, you're right. First they, round picks, you gotta sign. It's the same thing with the OG and OB thing. You gave up Barrett and quickly, you have to re-sign this player. No, same no. thing go for for Siakam. No, I definitely see that. I'm just saying that like you get a trial run of like what that could look like. Yeah. I obviously think it's going to be really highly likely that they're going to re-sign him. But it's, um, it's a trial run, as you said, that you're basically forced to buy. <laughs> so yes, it is still a trial run. You are correct. Um, now, in terms of the other side, the Raptors, right? I've been screaming, "Where are they going?" They're a nine seed every year. They compete. They play hard, but they don't seem to like each other. Then sometimes it seems like they're not playing hard. They won a championship now five years ago. Um, and basically that entire team is gone now. Pascal was like the last core piece of that championship team. Mm-hmm. I think they got a pretty good return for him. Three first rounders and Bruce Brown, who you can now trade before the February 8th trade deadline and probably get another first. That's four yeah. first round picks for Siakam. Um, I think they did pretty good with that and the OG trade. I'm still convinced they should have done this last year. I mean, yes. It didn't seem like they wanted both those guys anyway. It, it sounds to me like they they have at least a similar package level than what they acquired. Yeah. And, you know, in the end, like, this team, like, could have gotten more draft picks for, the, for a better draft, but... Well, like, could... I mean, that's the question. Could, could they have gotten better or more draft picks or more assets if they moved these guys a year ago? Based on the return, I'm not so sure. Now, as you said, maybe they get draft the same return, but in a better draft class. Maybe they get last year's draft class. And then maybe that makes a significant difference because so far everyone you talk to is saying, this is a good year to get out of this draft. This is not the best draft. We don't know who's going one, two, three, or 20. Like we don't really, no one's really emerged in those spots, which is, and they're saying the last time that's happened, Anthony Bennett went number one overall to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Victor Oladipo was one of the better players in that draft. You know, obviously there were still some gems in there. Giannis was 15, but at the same time, that whole lottery was full of guys who immediately you knew couldn't play. And people are describing this class like that. And so if you're Indiana, you're saying, you know what, do we really need two bites of the apple in this draft class? I'm not so sure. So I think good job by them. They were also able to keep Ben Matherin, who they like a lot. Um, he's been up and down this year, but if he can turn into a legit scorer, you have Halliburton, him, Turner, and uh, and Siakam. So overall, I, I like this trade for both sides. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, do you put them ahead of the Knicks? No, I don't put them ahead of the Knicks. I think the Knicks are somewhere in that 5-6 range. I still put the Pacers probably in that six, seven range. I think they're kind of right there with Orlando and the Knicks um, and maybe Miami. I, you you kind of d- d- put that tier in there, but I kind of think the Knicks and Miami are probably the class of that group. Um, the Knicks have the continuity. Obviously Siakam is going to help the Pacers, but I'm not convinced it's going to be an easy fit to put him in there. Um, you know, I know you said he scores, you know, from all levels of the floor, but he still only has a couple of go-to moves. And I think that might be a little difficult to get in there, especially with Halliburton still out, right? Like you want to get them getting that chemistry immediately. Wait, and didn't, not... didn't he get upgraded? Steve? Did he get upgraded? 
I thought he did, but the the point that remains the same. Like I, I still think that there's going to be a. Oh, he came back. He came. He came back Friday night. He had uh, 21 points and 17 assists. So, uh, no, he he played in Portland. And uh, good correction uh, on your end, Chris, for me, because uh, that's one of his better games of the year. There he is playing in the first game with Siakam. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you're completely right. I think there's going to be a grace period where, like, they both have to like understand each other. Um, but in terms of other transitions, yeah. uh. Draymond Green is back with the Warriors. Um, I think this Warriors dynasty, if you want to call it that, yeah, like is sort of seeing its final days. I think, you know, Clay is going to be a free agent. Draymond is appears to me to be a little bit of a wild card, to put a little it, bit to put it mildly. Uh, but you know, you still have Steph Curry, but it feels like this front office doesn't know or hasn't made any real attempts to fortify this roster in a significant way. So Chris Paul over the off season, I don't really get the thinking in that. And now like he's injured. So how are you going to get the most out of this club? And the West has really improved. You have teams like the Jazz, the Warriors, and OKC, you know, ushering in a new era. And then you still have Dallas, and you still have the the, the world champion Nuggets. So how are the Warriors going to carve out a space in the playoffs? I mean, right now they're probably like a playing team or a playoff, like a, a late like, playing team. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it's tough. I mean – when you have won four championships, right? Like, does that stop you? Does that no longer give you the right to say, hey, Clay's not the same guy anymore. We're going to trade him. Or, hey, Draymond Green is acting erratic. He's got three years left at $77 million after this season. We're going to get rid of him. Yeah. Does that Does that stop you from doing those kind of moves? Because those guys have built up so much equity in this team that you kind of let them go out on their own terms maybe like we've never really seen too many dynasties end with a championship like really the bulls was really the only one that ever ended well right um and they all kind of not in terms of like they won a championship in their last year oh um, got it okay. you know and they all came together and basically said we can't do this anymore this is our last stance right whereas golden state it looks like there's going to be more of a slow death where Draymond is just going to be around this team unless they decide, hey, this isn't working. We got to move on from him. And then if they do decide that, is another team going to be interested in giving you assets for him? He's in his mid-30s. He's coming off more. He's got a suspension this year more and more games than he's played. You know, he's he's going to be 34 in March. Um and I like what happened to Wiggins. Wiggins was supposed to be the second leading scorer on this team. We talked Clay's is not the same guy. Curry is still doing his thing, but we've seen time and again when Curry's kind of by himself on this team, they don't win. They just don't. Like we've seen, you know, that a few years now where, you know, he just doesn't have any help. Um, that doesn't mean they're going to be awful, but it means they're just not a championship team. And I think, you know, when you're paying this kind of payroll, for this group 
it's really a championship or bust kind of mood. Now, um, I think they just got to take a direction. I think they got to say, hey, this isn't working. We're going to move on from Green and, and, and Clay or try to. Or we're going to say, hey, we need to go for it. We need to go use Chris Paul's salary uh, and draft picks to go out and get that second leading scorer. I don't know who that guy is. Um, I think Levine would be a terrible fit here. Yeah. I wonder about a guy like DeJounte Murray, but I don't know if he scores enough to make that the guy you want to go get. Um, I mean, it would a guy like him definitely injects like life into that team because he, he had no problem being the Heat last night. He had a game yeah. winner in like another right. one today, to, today's before, a day before. Um, they need to do something. They need to inject new blood like if if i'm the general manager of the warriors yeah what i would do is i don't think there are any takers for clay i think i'll offer clay like a very low deal and put the ball in his court be like hey like this is what we need to do this is this is if you want to stay this is what we're offering but But he's still shooting from three at a very high level it's not his old level but he's at a you know a 38% 38% three-point shooter. That's still a very good player. That's, that's very good, but can, he can't he can't really guard the way he could, you know? No, he cannot. And, that, and, that's, and that's a liability when you have a guy like Curry. So, you know, with all the Knicks' flaws, like the Knicks know who they are, right? Like they purposely got OG because they know that RJ – uh, can't defend the way he he has to, so right. I think the Warriors also need to look at look at look at look at the, look at themselves in the mirror and sort of figure out like this is not the way we should do things if we want to try to get Curry another championship, which should be the priority of this franchise for as long as you get Curry. I mean, I think the biggest issue with this team right now, we talked Clay, we talked Draymond. The issue is Wiggins. I mean, Wiggins is making $24 million this year, $26 million next year, $28 million the year after that, and then a $30 million player option in 2027. That is a lot of money for a guy who's averaging under 12 points a game at 42% from the floor, under 30% from three. He's been and awful. We still, and we still don't know what happened to him, right, last season? We do not. Uh, it was off the field something. Um, he's really the only guy in this, not core, but of these starting players who's under 30. So he's really the only one that's not in a decline, at least in theory, right? So I don't really know what they do, but they got to do something. And it, it just seems very clear that this group that is one together before is not going to be enough going forward on their own to win another NBA championship. Oh, for sure. And I think they need to move on from guys like Draymond and Clay. They just do. Like and and you mentioned it, like giving Clay some kind of cheaper deal. The issue there is Steph, Draymond, Wiggins are making so much money that you're basically over the cap anyway, with or without Clay. And so if you offer Clay 18 million a year or 35 million a year it doesn't change the fact that you can't bring in other players. And so all you're really going to do is save on that luxury tax bill, which is important for ownership, obviously. But at the same time, all you're really going to do is make Clay upset and probably bring back this same team next year if you even try to sign him. Well, here's the other thing too. Like, 
they should do something with Kaminga. They should trade. They should package Kaminga somewhere. Kaminga is a nice player. I mean, no, I, I like Kaminga, and he's basically come out and said, "I need more minutes." And when you know he came out and said that, they didn't all say Kaminga shouldn't be saying that. They all kind of said Kaminga's right, and like no one really stuck stuck up for their head coach. So it, it's it's a very strange situation that's going on there. Um, this is his third year, right? So Kaminga is up for a contract this summer. And he's going to want to get paid as if he's a quality starting player because he's saying the reason I'm not a quality starting player is because of this coach and this regime's decisions. And I'm not, I think I'm not so convinced that Kerr is, is as good of a coach as we think he is. I think, like, I don't know. He's got – obviously, he, he inherited Curry. He inherited basically the same players that he's ha- he has today with the yeah. exception of Wiggins, the Pools, the – you know, Paul's Paul's like I've yet to see him really like develop one of these like other guys and like make a stamp in a way that's like significant in a way that puts this team on, on a new like level. Like you saw Popovich. I mean, it's, it's sort of the same concept, but like you've seen Popovich sort of like win across different eras, right? He won, in 99 yeah. he won to 2000s he won in uh in 2010s right like i don't know if I've, i don't know if kerr has shown that well it's so early right like it's all it's been one core together that is one and you know obviously the number one person you credit is stephen curry but i don't believe kerr has cost them victories and i you know he's He's still, you know, a guy who can help run the ship. And you can debate whether he's done a good job of that lately, because I think that's fair. You know, they've had so much chaos going on with them. But at the same time, that is, to me, they have not lost a championship because of Steve Kerr. They've lost a championship because Draymond Green went nuts and got suspended. That was once. That's and fair. then the other ones, you know, you won four Very championships fair. with this group. You can't really be like, well, they should have won more. Like, this might just be the end and i don't think there's really any specific one person that fault i think it's just a combination of Draymond went crazy wiggins we still don't know what happened and kerr has not really made any adjustments in terms of incorporating those young players um not but again that doesn't mean he has cost them anything it just means we don't know it means you know how how well prepared for the future they would have been if they would have drafted like one of the guards in that draft instead of Wiseman. Halliburton, Lamello, um you name it. Traded down. Um there was a lot of talk about like what the Knicks would need to give up to go from I think they had eight that year and they took Obi Toppin uh to go to two to try to get Lamello because they need a point guard. They always need a point guard up until Brunson. Um and I think the talk was like Mitchell Robinson and like multiple first and I think we were like, that's too much. And, you know, obviously now you would go do that and go take Tyrese Halliburton to be set. And I think the Warriors would be a lot happier with Mitchell Robinson right now, even if he plays 50 games a year, than <laughs> James Wiseman, who's on Detroit, or Detroit, I think. He's still on Detroit. Um, who doesn't play there? Um, so, yeah, you know, they haven't drafted well. And the guys they have drafted, they've shown a little potential, just aren't getting enough minutes. And so they really just need to decide, are we all in? And we're going to go trade these young guys and picks in the Chris Paul contract for a second star, a second score, or are we 
really kind of going to try to embrace the future and we're going to give Kaminga 35 minutes a game. We're going to kind of ease up on Clay and Draymond a little bit. Like um, that, like we're going to play the future. Figured, yeah, decide, pick a lane. Like, how is it possible that that Steve figured it out before anybody in the Warriors franchise did? Like, I'm sure, I'm sure they're all having these discussions, but just having a dynasty causes so many issues in terms of like. I would like, I would like the Knicks to have one of those issues, actually. Sure, absolutely. It's uh, Julius Randle's been here for 19 years and he's, he's cursing out fans, but he's won four championships. So we're not really sure what to do with him. Uh, <laughs> that would be pretty good. All right, Chris, let's get to our final thoughts. Uh, speaking of those Knicks, they are eight and two in the OGN and OB era. Uh, this is awesome. I'm really happy with the way they're playing. They're running in transition more. They're basically one of the better defensive teams in the entire league since OG came in. And uh, it seems like they got their identity back. Yeah, and I think I think the best part of this team is that it's just like the pieces fit a lot better than they did before. And the next thing I'm going to say is not a but. It is simply an observation of the current situation. My concern moving forward is putting a lot of miles. I mean, it's not any different in the Tibbs era, but putting a lot of miles on Brunson and Randall without another playmaker um, to ease, you know, to ease them up in the bench unit. So it's just, it's just really evident. Like unless McBride shoots crazy threes, like it's going to be really hard for this team to like generate anything positive, the bench, the bench side um, against the much better teams. Like you can get away with that against like, the Blazers or whatever it is, Wizards. but <laughs> Wizards, yeah. you really can't get away with that with the better teams. And even the Wizards the other night, like the Wizards were scrappy. And I think that we can run into issues if we don't get a playmaker soon, another playmaker. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Which, which we should be able to find. Yeah, no, I was going to say the same thing. I think uh, they should have no issue finding that guy. It's really just going to come down to what does it cost? Um, you know, you kind of everyone keeps talking about Jordan Clarkson. We talked about Jordan Clarkson. I think you like that move. I'm kind of warmed up to that move. But the Jazz are kind of almost 500. So it's, I think they will be open to offers. Uh, they were open to offers with a similar record last year. But at the same time, I think it gives them a little bit of leverage to go, you know what, we could compete unless you give us a good first round pick for Jordan Clarkson or something like that. So I'm wondering if a guy like Malcolm Brogdon in Portland makes more sense. I think he might be the better player than Clarkson. Um, the thing is, like when I saw Brogdon play against us, it was not impressive against the Knicks. It was understand. not impressive. Was not impressive. But that whole team had a meltdown day. They lost by 35 against the Knicks and then they go to Oklahoma City and lose by 62. Is that how he's going to play? Like, no, I don't think so. Like, he showed last year he could be part of a championship team when he was in Boston. He's been on, you know, well, quality team in Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, but again, he's another guy who's always injured. So um, that doesn't mean he's – you have to go get him under any circumstance. But I think, you know, a guy like him, a guy like Clarkson, maybe a guy like Colin Sexton, guys who could start, guys who can come off the bench and be six-man. Um, basically, you're just trying to fill that quickly role. And so I, uh, I'm open to that. And I think, uh, as you said, it'll ease up on Randall and Brunson. But 
only really slightly. Um, they're still yeah. going to be playing 42 minutes a game in close games, whether they should or shouldn't. I guess I, guess I see it more on the nights where, like, a Brunson is, like, the, the on Monday when the Knicks were playing Orlando, we, we were essentially winning that whole game. But you felt Brunson's um, sort of yeah. absence when it was crunch time. Or because we just didn't have another facilitator, a real facilitator beyond Randall. Right. So, so that I think is inherently an issue when this team is like, you know, what happens if, if Brunson get, gets injured? At least like with quickly, you sort of felt like you even still had a chance. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, Brogdon is, you know, shooting about 41% from three this year. He's had a good year in Portland. I understand he did not play well against the Knicks. Um, but there are plenty of guards like him that could be available. Even a guy like Tyus Jones, who can play make um, in Washington. I love, I love him. Um, I think it's coming down in Washington where they're kind of saying, can we actually squeeze out a first-round pick? There's so many teams that need guards. Um, maybe. Um, the Knicks have a lot of those, and a lot of them aren't very valuable first-round picks. They're you know ones that may never convey from teams like Washington themselves or Detroit that are lottery protected for the next couple of years and then eventually become second round picks. Yeah. So if you can move one of those guys, um, move one of those picks for one of those guys, I'm, I'm open to it. Um, and then you kind of just have, you know, two months to say, how does this team look? How does this final eight, nine man rotation look before you get into the playoffs? Yeah. Um, I love, I mean, if I were to rank him, it would probably be Tyus Jones, Brogdon, Clarkson, Sexton's probably not going to be available for cheap. So I don't, I'm counting him out, but that's how I would probably like rank them. Yeah, no, I I think that's definitely fair. Um, I'm wondering with the Dejounte Murray stuff going on, I'm not sure if he's the best fit here, but I'm wondering if he winds up in L.A. with the Lakers. Um, there's been already talk that um the Hawks have no interest in D'Angelo Russell, right? I'm wondering. This might sound like a little bit of Nick's goggles. But I'm wondering if they would just let you swap Russell for our bad contract, Evan Fournier, and just kind of let you do that because Fournier isn't expiring. They can literally buy him out, whereas Russell has the extra year on, um, and they're both making similar money, right? And so the Knicks are basically taking on a year of D'Angelo Russell at $18 million next year. He's a guy who can come off the bench. He's a guy who could start. He can play, make, he can score. Um, I'm not really sure where he's at attitude-wise these days. That could be an issue. But at the same time, if you can get him more or less for free, I think that also is an option should a Jordan Clarkson, a Malcolm Brogdon, a Colin Sexton be something I don't you don't really want to trade a good first round pick for. So and then, you know, I just don't Fournier worry. is the one that's kind of thrown into every deal, right? Because he makes that like perfect number, like that 18 million. So he kind of gets to be thrown into every mock deal, real deal for a star. All of a sudden, now next year with him off the board, you're going to need to find a new guy who could be that role. Um, so Russell could be that role where he play. He's basically an Evan Fournier who could play for you, and so uh, that would be something I would be interested in. He's still only 27 years old. You know, statistically, he looks pretty good. 15 a game, six assists, 40 from three. Um, I understand there's been some off the court stuff where. <laughs> Doesn't seem like he's the most liked teammate at times, but at the same time, um, I think he would be a good fit if he's also really with, he, also, he also played with Julius Randle in LA back way back when. Yeah. Um, 
I don't hate it. It's just again, is he is he a Tibbs player? And I don't think he is. That's what it comes down to. Brogdon, Brogdon is, I would say, who was the other one we mentioned? Sexton. Sexton, Clarkson. Mm. No. no. Gunners. They're gunners. We're, we're looking for a gunner. That's really what we're looking for. A guy who can score and shoot and basically say, hey, these six minutes off the bench. We need a J.R. Smith. These are yours right now. You go cook. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so that's never going to be a guy that Tibbs loves. And it's always going to be a guy whose minutes fluctuate based on the defense, based on all these things. You saw it with Quickly, right? And Quickly tries to play defense and, and is pretty solid defender. And his minutes fluctuate. I don't know how any of these other guards are going to come in and it's going to be much better. Um, and then there's also the buyout market, right? I'm not sure the Knicks are going to be the top of the list for those buyout guys because, you know, there's there's the Boston's and Milwaukee's and Denver's and teams, you know, guys who are just trying to go get a quick ring. But at the same time, it's a the Knicks are a playoff team in New York City. So I think that is an avenue to go get a guard who can score um, off the bench if that trade doesn't work out on February 8th. Um, you wanted to talk about how awesome Jalen Brunson is playing. And I have to say, like, I watched the Knicks during the Marbury years or yeah, Marbury years. Um, I saw Ray Felton. I saw Chris Duhon. I saw, I'm trying to think of our good, oh, uh, Alfred Payton years. Like Brunson, like is the best point guard I've ever seen on the way. No, I I mean, I can't speak to what it was before because I I just wasn't like watching basketball like that back then, but he's just so good. He's just like, I just, I don't, I don't understand how he can like manipulate defenders being that small. And like, he always has like an elite touch around the rim. No, I mean, I'm with you there. Um, He's definitely got that elite touch. Um, it to me has become the second best season I've ever seen a Nick have. Um, the first would be that Carmelo season where, you know, he finished third in MVP. I think he ever took 28 a game and won the scoring title. Um, but to me, this player is, is, is amazing for one. Um, and yes, you know, 20, over 26 a game, 47% from the floor as an undersized guard, 43% from three. Um, six and a half assists. He's, you know, the turnovers is only 2.4 turnovers a game. That's very low for a point guard. Um, so he's not turning the ball over. He passes, he he shoots, he scores. He can score from all three levels, as you said before. And again, the only concern for me is just him getting injured because he's playing so many minutes. And I think he either is leading the league in charges or he's close to leading the league in charges for a while. I don't want him doing that. Like, I understand it's good for the team and, you know, it helps keep him being from being attacked. Right. Cause if, if you know, I can turn it over by just leveling this smaller guard, it makes me second guess leveling that smaller guard ever so slightly. And that can make the difference between scoring and not scoring. And so I think that has really helped him become a harder to attack player um, which is important for his size, but at the same time, I'd rather him be getting attacked 
then have him miss three weeks because of a, a charge in, from Giannis or something like that. Like, I'm like, don't do that. Enough with the the big guys running into you. We don't need that, especially in the regular season. Um, but they're not going to change. He's not going to change. And we love him, and we're very happy he's a Nick. Um, and I think this is the second best season I've ever, you know, we started watching about 15, 16 years ago. This is the second best season I've ever seen a Nick have. Yeah. Um, and then we have RJ and quickly coming back on Saturday night. We're recording this Saturday morning. Um, I'm really excited. I hope to get a nice ovation. They were definitely a big part of like why this team is was been has been so successful in recent years. Um, I just want to see that continue. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Um, it'll be fun to see the applause. Everyone's like, will they get an applause? Like, of course they're going to get an applause. They're homegrown Knicks who got traded. Like, they, both of them played well, especially, um, you know, at times. Uh, neither one was a guy who wanted to be traded. They're going to get big applauses. And so it'll be nice to see that. And uh, hopefully the Knicks can win that game and improve to 9-2 and two in the OG era. Um, but Chris, do you have anything else to add before we wrap up the show? Yeah, two more things. Um, I thought the Nuggets being Boston, beating the Celtics in Boston was an impressive, like, potential yeah. finals preview. Um, very clear to me, it seemed like Boston had way more talent than the Nuggets did, but the Nuggets still had the best player on the floor, which is Jokic. Um, and it was just so impressive the way, like, they were able to like rip apart like this really good defense simply like with with Jokic playing post moves like it's the you know 1970s and 80s <laughs> um anyway i just thought that was cool to mention um and then a friend of mine she saw this clip of Dante DiVincenzo talking to um the the new Raptors guy that we got, not obviously not OG, but his name is escaping me. Oh, Pre, uh, Achua. Precious Achua? Yeah, Precious Achua. Um, where DiVincenzo was talking about um, his soccer career. He was initially, he so I found out that he actually went to high school for soccer and then he transitioned into basketball. And then if it wasn't for that, like he'd be somewhere else right now. But anyway. Yeah. He's been very good for the Knicks. He's uh, been we're very lucky he chose basketball there. He's been lights out. And I think I think obviously the OJ thing, OG has been amazing. iHeart has been amazing too. But T Vincenzo's been yeah. a great addition to the team. Like yeah. um hopefully he can keep that like shooting like streak going. No, I mean, he's been great. You know, as you said, Hartenstein's been great. Uh, Hartenstein's going to be a very difficult guy to sign this summer, but that's a problem with this summer. Let's, let's try to enjoy this season, as you always tell me. Um, so that is going to do it for us here on the All Hoops podcast. Um, thank you to our amazing, you know, watchers on YouTube, our listeners on Spotify and Apple. We'll be back next week to talk about uh, the All-Star teams, you know, who should be on the All-Star team. Um, depending on when we record, the All-Star rosters may be out. But at the same time, uh, we'll break that down. Who got um, who got missed on? Who should be in? Do the Knicks get those two all-stars in? They really should. I agree. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Steve.